Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash ZFW. This activity is supported by an educational grant from GSK. Welcome to this Peer Voice panel discussion on practical considerations in comprehensive COPD care. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professors Visa Venjiha and Alberto Papi. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, and welcome to today's panel discussion on translating data into practice in COPD, how I've changed my approach to patient care. I'm Visha Venjiha, I'm Professor of Respiratory Medicine from the National Heart and Lung Institute at Imperial College, London, in London, UK. Before we start our discussion today, allow me to introduce my esteemed colleague, Professor Alberta Papi. He is from the University of Ferrara, Kona General Hospital in Ferrara, Italy. Welcome, Alberto. Welcome, Visham. In the last few years, we have had considerable amount of new data that has influenced strategy documents and guidelines. So, Alberta, can I ask you, what is the evidence related to the use of triple therapy in COPD? And can you tell us about some of the large randomized controlled trials that have been performed um, for instance, the impact and ethos trials. Yeah, thank you, Isha. I, I think it's an extremely important issue because triple therapy has uh, changed substantially the way we approach the treatment in COPD, as it is now reflected in uh, international recommendation, as you said, uh, including, uh, including gold. I think that the main... Uh, uh, output of this large clinical trial was uh, uh, showing the efficacy of uh, um, triple therapy ICS labalama compared to uh, bronchodilator treatment, dual bronchodilator, which are the core of the treatment of COPD. So the the clear uh, higher efficacy on an important outcome such as exacerbation with all the consequences that we know exacerbation have beyond the acute event but on the natural history of the uh, of COPD, including worsening comorbidities, well, I think it's a, a very important outcome that provides us uh, information on the most effective treatment to prevent exacerbation and uh, their, uh, their consequences acute and long-term. And in addition, we have for both trials you mentioned, impact and ethos, important signals on uh, reduction of uh, overall cause mortality. And I think uh, uh, it's, uh, it, of course, it is an important item. It has been uh, highlighted also in gold. Uh, where a new table has been introduced to treatments, uh, pharmacological and non-pharmacological, that can reduce mortality, and where uh, triple therapy compared to labalama has been included. I think 
a number of items for triple therapy, but I would focus exacerbation and mortality. Great, um, Alberta. So I think a recent advance, at last we have a biomarker in COPD. And bloody xenophils have been shown to be a good biomarker of inhaled um, corticosteroid response. So the current guidance is that if the bloody xenophils are above 300, the patient will respond very well to inhaled corticosteroids. Between 100 and 300 bloody xenophils, there is um, uh, also some response. However, below a bloody xenophil level of around 100, the response to inhaled corticosteroid is poor and indeed, in fact, may be problematical because patients with low xenophil levels will have more evidence of airway bacterial colonization and hence infection. So the bloody xenophil level is a very good marker of the potential response to inhaled corticosteroids. In fact, um, bloody xenophils in younger people have been shown to predict disease progression and maybe even the higher uh, the xenophil level, the more effect on mortality. Though the problem with that is that these the mortality uh, results are clouded by the effect of inhaled corticosteroids. Alberta, we now have a new development in that we have single inhalers that contain the whole triple. What is the advantage to the COPD patient of using a single inhaler therapy? And does it um, affect compliance and the patient's acceptability? Yeah, I think th this is really an important issue. Uh, the less uh, number of devices, the higher is uh, the proper use of, of them and the adherence uh, to treatment. In particular, for COPD, I would say that uh, there is evidence uh, 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 presented at recent Congress that uh, having one single inhaler compared to multiple inhaler for triple therapy provides substantial advisory in clinical outcomes, including including exacerbation, which is not surprising. But I would add, particularly for COPD patients, considering uh, uh, the, uh, the category of patient with COPD, which is elderly patients with, uh, uh, might have difficulties in dealing with uh, multiple devices, might have difficulties in uh, using them when they are more than one in the proper way, and they are in a polypharmacy treatment condition. They are taking usually a lot of medication for concomitant disease. So uh, it is one of the aim of uh, treating multimorbidity to reduce the number of treatments and having one single device for the three uh, ICS labalama, it's certainly an advantage also in this uh, prospect. So I have definitely found that patients prefer the single um, inhaler um, treatment to using three separate inhalers, and I think that is very important for the patient. 
But we mustn't forget about smoking cessation in COPD management. And every time we see our patients, we do need to encourage them to stop smoking if they are still smoking. And um, basically, what can we do? Well, in my institution, we have very good smoking cessation clinics. So an early referral to the smoking cessation clinic. Counseling helps and also social support of the family. Then there are the pharmacological approaches. There's, of course, nicotine replacement and other pharmacological options, varenicline and bupriane. Um, are um, very useful, but don't miss the opportunity for smoking cessation. Alberto, um, we now have a number of vaccines that have been recommended by the Gold Strategy document, and we have influenza vaccination, COVID vaccination, we have pneumococcal um, vaccination. Recently, RSV vaccines have been also introduced can you tell us a little bit about the role of these vaccines? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Isha. Uh, let me get back to a recent discussion we had, and when you where you said something uh, uh, strategically important, i.e., that uh, we cannot treat exacerbation uh, 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 in an optimal way. We are still using the same treatment for exacerbation. The focus of exacerbation is prevention rather than evident uh, optimally treated. Prevention is the magic and keywords. And in this view, having the possibility to prevent uh, uh, the infection with triggers that we know are uh, uh, leading to an exacerbation is strategically important. We cannot avoid to use what's available to prevent the exacerbation because it's the only way to take the exacerbation out of the natural history of the disease. Uh, the new vaccine for RSV has the advantage to prevent uh, the infection with one of the triggers of the exacerbation. And not only the data are telling us that it is effective in preventing uh, uh, severe infection of RSV, but there are data now telling us that it's uh, effective in preventing uh, infection and the consequences in at risk condition, including patient with COPD. So it's there, it's available, it's uh, to be used. So Alberto, we're looking forward to widespread introduction of RSV and vaccination for our COPD patients. So in summary today, we've heard that COPD is a treatable condition. This is very important. Exacerbation prevention is very important. We now have evidence from two large randomized clinical trials that triple therapy reduces exacerbations in symptomatic COPD patients with a history of exacerbations. I've explained that bloody xenophils are biomarker of inhaled corticosteroid response. The higher the xenophils, the bigger the response. And single um, triple inhaler therapy is more effective than prescribing multiple inhalers, and the patients prefer it. We discussed RSV vaccination, other pharmacological interventions, and we must never forget that smoking cessation is a key objective, needs constant attention and reinforcement. Thank you very much for your attention. Please join us in the next session. Hello. And welcome to today's panel discussion on practical implementation of best practices 
Overcoming Barriers to Better Care in CUPD. I'm Visha Vinjiha, Professor of Respiratory Medicine from the National Heart and Lung Institute, Imperial College London, in London, UK. Before we start our discussion on the topic, allow me to introduce my esteemed colleague, Professor Alberta Papi from the University of Ferrara, Kona General Hospital in Ferrara, Italy. Welcome, Alberto. Hi, Bisha. Nice discussing with you. So, COPD treatment has moved forward. We have new evidence on pharmacotherapy and other therapies. And now we need to discuss how to integrate this new evidence into clinical practice. So, Alberto, in your opinion, what are the most important barriers to best practice in the management of COPD? Well, Visha, I think uh, there are several potential barriers to the optimization of the management uh, of COPD, actually for the management to reach patients with COPD. And I think it's uh, very variable. Uh, from place to place, from country to country, from health system to health system. <clears throat> there is substantial evidence of the importance of this barrier and, and possibility to overcome them. I'll just mention a few of these barriers, <clears throat> like one of the most common in, is the uh, delay in diagnosing COPD uh, or, or considering it as just for the acute events and not for the treatment. The presence of comorbidity that needs to be identified and properly treated because they contribute to the uh, presentation of the disease. The uh, eff efficacy of treatment that needs to be uh, optimized to this patient. We know that there are problems and potential barriers with uh, the inhalers uh, and everything that is related to uh, inhalers, uh, uh, from the technique to the compliance. Smoking cessation is still, for some patient, um, an issue. And vaping probably is, it goes with it. Uh, and, uh, and, and vaccination. The uptake on vaccination is very low, and it's, uh, 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 the, the barrier should be considered and overcome. This is just a few examples um, for, uh, for discussion. So, Alberta, taking a diagnostic delay and gold, in fact, recommends prompt diagnosis. And we know that patients with COPD, often for five years prior to diagnosis, there's evidence of progressive symptoms and patients taking courses of antibiotics for infections when they have developed, in fact, true exacerbation. So we need to be very aware of that diagnosis of COPD um, in smokers. We also know that if a patient has exacerbations before diagnosis, they will have exacerbations after diagnosis. So it is important to assess the patients early and to refer them to secondary care when further investigations are required. So the diagnosis of COPD requires good and improving primary secondary care integration. So, Alberta, comorbidities are important differential diagnosis of patients with COPD. Can you tell us a little bit how we can handle comorbidities? Yeah, yes, Vijay, you are right. 
And I would say that rather than comorbidity, I would move to the concept of multimorbidity because um, it's difficult to say that there is one central condition and other that are comorbid with it. Usually these are patient, uh, um, they're elderly patients, so we expect other conditions related to aging uh, to be present. Uh, some of the so-called comorbidities have the same risk factor. Think of smoking in relation to uh, cardiovascular comorbidity. So uh, it has to be considered a patient with COPD, a patient that potentially and very likely has got uh, a number of concomitant other conditions, which is important in terms of uh, identifying them, treating them, because they contribute to the overall presentation of uh, the needs of the patients. Uh, and it has to be proactive. We cannot anymore just uh, consider COPD as a disease of the respiratory system. Having COPD, it's already a flag that there are other potential concomitant conditions that, that uh, needs to be looked at. Uh, an advantage we have had recently in those places where uh, CT scan is done for uh, uh, lung cancer screening is to see in the CT scan the presence of alteration in other organ and system, which help identify them. Alberta, part of the um, efficient treatment of CPD is inhaler technique. Can you comment on this? Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's really a potential barrier. These are uh, patients, uh, 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 as I said, elder, uh, patients that might have problems to deal with uh, uh, devices. So the, the uh, check, control, and choice uh, with the, the patient of the preferred type of inhaler is crucial. I know that it takes time, particularly the first time, but it's, it's uh, crucial because the risk is the patient not receiving properly the treatment and this impact also on adherence if it's uh, uh, the patient feel that is not able to use the inhaler properly. We have to consider that these are patients that are receiving a number of other medications because of the multimorbid conditions. So, in addition to facilitate the patient and uh, uh, go for the, the uh, inhaler preferred by the patient, reducing the number of inhalers is um, uh, another important issue. That's why having multiple drugs in one single inhaler is an advantage. Having uh, triple therapy ICS labalaba in one single inera has really the advantage of providing the, the patient uh, three drugs uh, with one single use of inhaler. So COPD is a long-term progressive condition and treatment needs to be long-term. And certainly Gold um, tells us that it is very important to follow patients up um, carefully. So at the time of diagnosis, patients need to be treated, and this will probably be a dual bronchodilator in most patients, except if they have a high zenithal count, then one would start pharmacotherapy with triple therapy, including an inhaled corticosteroids. 
But if patients on a dual bronchodilator are having exacerbations, this needs to be escalated to triple therapy. And then we need to make sure we manage exacerbations properly because the longer the exacerbation lasts, the more likely you are to be hospitalized. COPD is a long-term disorder, and we must ensure that our patients are compliant with all aspects of treatment, not only pharmacological, but non-pharmacological interventions, exercise, um, vaccination, oxygen therapy, um, if they require it. And that needs education. And education is very important in patients with COPD and will help us overcome some of the barriers if the patients really understand the treatment. So again, smoking cessation and at each visit that the patient has seen either in primary or secondary care, smoking cessation needs to be uh, reinforced and um, checked upon. And again, prompt referral to appropriate smoking cessation services if these um, are available because continuation of smoking reduces the effect of therapy in COPD. Um, a bit on vaccination uptake, maybe, Alberto? Yeah, yeah, you're right, Bishop, because vaccination is um, is uh, an obstacle. I mean, the uptake of vaccination, we know, in general, is, is quite low. Um, we have learned a bit uh, uh, from COVID, but not enough, probably. Uh, and the importance of vaccination needs to be clearly in the mind of every respiratory physician and every GP, we can avoid uh, the infection that leads to the exacerbation with all the consequences of exacerbation. The barrier, for example, in my place is that uh, uh, other people, other healthcare professionals, hygienists, vaccinologists are in charge of vaccination. So my general concept was to generally recommend vaccination. Now we managed to have it in our platform and uh, and plan to uh, uh, to give to the patient and to check directly whether it has been done or not. In addition, we managed to have the hygienist next door to our outpatient COPD clinic. So when the patient gets out, it's not just a general recommendation, but it is physically an invitation to go into the vaccinology place to be to receive the. Uh, the indication and uh, to start uh, the vaccination directly. Let's just summarize some of today's points. Healthcare professionals need to understand current barriers to implementation of effective triple therapy. And we need to educate our patients about the importance of the condition and compliance with their therapy. Integration of primary and secondary care is essential to ensure earlier diagnosis and management. We heard that comorbidities affect COPD outcomes. They need to be identified and treated in COPD like they are treated in other conditions. Attention must be paid to appropriate inhaler uh, prescription and technique and single, triple, improved compliance. And at each contact with the healthcare professional, smoking cessation must be enforced. So thank you all very much for listening. Goodbye. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.